Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? What's going on, my good friend, Mark Vanderwall? Yeah, hey, it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's been a real busy, intense couple weeks of uh, reef aquariums for, for me. That's what we had to take off last week leading up to reef stock this past weekend. And uh, we're going to jump into it, but uh, let's start off just talking about our tanks. Let's do it. All right. Let me so start. You with you. Start. All right. You go ahead. Ah, uh, man. I'm nothing too exciting on my side. I, I don't know. For those who have seen pictures of my tank, I had a about a 15 year old leather coral that had about an 18 inch cap, and uh, I just finally one morning I came down, made some coffee, and lights hadn't come on yet. And you know, I think about leather corals is sometimes they uh, they're limp, right, and they lay down. And so this giant coral was just laying on like all my other corals, you know, just all these corals were getting squashed. And uh, I just, I don't know, I reached a, a threshold with that coral of like, well, okay, so 18 inches on a six foot tank, that's pretty much a quarter of your tank has a giant umbrella, right? Let's just call it a quarter, right? I mean, almost a third of your tank because you've got to give it some room, right? Yeah. Just way around. Yeah, so I always felt, one, that I was compromising around that coral. I mean, it was definitely a showpiece coral, and I've had it for so long that it was it was cool. You know, it had a lot of history, but you couldn't really effectively aquascape the way you would want with this giant umbrella in your tank. Um, so then I had to decide, do I cut it down and regrow it? Um, but I didn't feel right doing that for a coral that has been essentially unmolested for 15 years. I've never fragged it, right? Um, and then the other thing was, you know, the stock on it was probably, I don't know, at least six inches. So if you hack that, it would just look weird, even once it started to regrow its polyps, right? For a long time. <laughs> yeah, that would just be a weird looking stump of a coral. Um, so uh, someone at my local fish store was kind enough to help me out. He had a customer with a much larger tank that had 30-inch tall water line. And he was looking to fill that tank in with some large colonies because, you know, you put a one-inch frag in a large tank and doesn't look like much. So, and uh, the guy apparently likes to grow things out and let things keep growing. So that made me happy. So uh, I decided to move the coral on. My wife was not happy. That was her favorite coral. Mm. Um, and then the other, da you know, unexpected downside is my tank's been running since last spring. So we're approaching a year. But when you take something that took a quarter of your tank up in real estate out, and then you start to have to rearrange the rocks and spread your corals out, it looks like I'm just getting started again. You know, it looks a bit mm. barren. I mean, the upside is like, ask you. I have so much more room for corals, which is great, but it looks like, uh, it doesn't look like a year old tank anymore. <laughs> Let me ask you though, was it premeditated? Had you been like kind of thinking about it? Yeah. Or, okay. Cause you know, sometimes I do things in a reef and I think about it most of the time, everything is just like deliberated back and forth in my mind until I finally do it. And then once in a while, I, my hands are in the tank and all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh, you've got to go. 
just 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 on the spot like oh yeah this whole brief tank would be so much better if the coral <laughs> that coral was gone but you had been thinking about it well it was a little bit of both right i had brought it up um you know just we we sit in that room it's a bit of a sun room because it has a wall of south facing windows so it's it's a cool place to hang out and you know a lot of times when i'd be sitting there with my wife just chatting it up i say you know i think i want to get rid of that leather coral and <laughs> and then even if I, when my friends and neighbors and whoever they come over, they love that coral. And I would bring up like, yeah, I think I'm getting rid of it. And I'd always get, no, don't do it. So that I held off, I held off. And then that morning, just sipping my cup of coffee and seeing that thing just laying on the other, uh, another quarter of my tank and all these other corals are just getting smushed. And I was like, it's got to go. And so I, I don't started to put the- buy any new corals. No, oh, that well, sounds like a perfect real estate- for me to bring you some corals yeah. when I come out to Atlanta in less than a month for the Aquatic Expo. I'm actually so excited that reef therapy has just touched a nerve um, in the reef aquarium community to the point where, you know, it'll be about a year in of doing this. We're doing our first live recording in Atlanta. And that's going to be so cool, man. I'm so excited to see your tank to share some corals with you that you saw out here, your frag of hoax I keep looking at it. I'm like, it's, you know, it's like two inches with four branches. I'm like, I think I can bring him a bigger frag, <laughs> get him, get him, you know, a little mini collie to really get started. So I'll hand carry that back for you. And, um, yeah, we'll have some conversations off camera of what you want the most. Yeah. And it'd be good to get, um, your in-person advice about stuff, you know, cause it's, um, I don't know, I, I'm I've, I've been a bit of a meddler in this tank, and I, I'm still trying to feel out what would make me happy. And it's it's hard to. It's always good to get somebody who is an avid reef keeper to look at and be like, "Oh, you should do this, or you should consider moving that there." And well, you don't need my advice, but it's nice to have a sounding board for your ideas. Well, you're. I you know mean, what would look great in your what? <laughs> you know what would look great in your tank? Huh. A 14-inch Gorgonia Ventolina sea fan. That would be perfect for this softy-dominated tank. Bring it. I don't know if I can make that happen. <laughs> Julian, Julian brought me one that washed oh, up wow. on the beach in, in Florida. And it was just on like just enough water in a big old bag, just enough water. And I threw it into one of the reef dock sumps for the weekend and I've got it mounted. But it's um, I trimmed off some of the sides, you know, because it was kind of dying at the edges. It was on the beach. And then I'm looking at it. I'm like, hmm, I need a, now I need to round out the shape. So hopefully it grows back the way it, it should. But um, before we get into reef stock, um, man, my anemone system is just crushing it right now. It is, it's the lowest energy, lowest lit tank, with the smallest protein skimmer. Um, it doesn't get any dosing. The top row is seven or eight different super happy, healthy anemones. Middle row is becoming like my new holding place for all the newest corals. Um, and then the bottom row is the chalice palace on one side and the shroom room on the other side. And it just looks better just beyond better than i could have ever anticipated and it's just a dirtier tank no dosing and lower light it's just so crazy you know i guess all my other tanks are pretty bright and they're pretty um very very high flow and so yeah. i always have to manage stuff and so just finding a perfect spot for the chalices and the shrooms and all the new lps and anemones just makes me so happy there's a blue carpet anemone 
That is the oh. shade of blue that we want all carpet anemones to be. Actually, when I got it, you know, it was a little bit more on the sky blue side. Then there was like little bits of anemone floating around the bag and it looked like it had been scratched by something a few times. And now it's just flawless. You know, it's probably 18 inches in diameter if, you know, you unfolded uh, the tissue. But, you know, it hugs two sides. It's, you know, it's parked in the corner and hugs two sides. It's just so amazing. I'm looking forward to get some uh, Papua New Guinea black Clark eyes in there. Black Clark eye. Bright white, perfect stripes with a yellow tail. Two of those. Oh, with a blue background oh, like that, that would be awesome. Yeah, it, it'll really stand out. But so, I guess since our last session of reef therapy, I went to Aquashella in Orlando, and that was super fun. I just I love rubbing elbows with the other side of the aisle. You know, the freshwater folks and the plants, and got myself a couple small caves for my zebra placos that I just put in to the tank like an hour ago and uh, I'm talking to some plant guys. What was really cool is uh, uh, Sarah Steven was a speaker at Aquashella. Mike Sinsky was a judge at Aquashella and they were both speakers at Reefstock last weekend. So I got to see him two weeks in a row and man, I might go a year without seeing either of them. So seeing them back to back weekends was super fun. That's cool. Yeah. 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 And then I'm, I'm doing some video work uh, with Top Shelf Aquatics. So on Sunday, I left the show and I went to the, to the shop and I was back at the farm by myself for like four or five hours, just taking all the most amazing, you know, top downs of all the corals. Oh my goodness. They have such a variety of species that people know. You know, like like tenuous, microclados, um, all those corimbos, pillow-shaped acroporas. Um, but man, it's just one of the things I love here about the studio is putting the same coral in different tanks and seeing how it looks and how it grows and how it colors. Yeah. And they have this one like super classic neon green Monty Cap in lots of different tanks. And in this one spot, it was getting very high flow but kind of moderate light and it was just like a miniature of like all these little mini cups were coming off of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, man. That thing is just, when you see frags of Monty, there is nothing about that coral unless you really experience with it that hints at the diversity of growth forms that that coral can develop into. And uh, that's one of the things that the hobby is really missing with this hyper focus on frags, 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 and, you know, collectoritis over, you know, just across the board. And so it was a just like this being at the studio, being at their farm and seeing the same coral under a range of conditions was just that's what the hobby is about. You know, sharing corals, the same exact strain and seeing what this guy is doing it in bright light and, you know, low nutrients and what a girl's doing it in, in lower flow and, and lower and higher nutrients and lower light. And the, 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 the range and diversity of forms are just, uh, I got to get a piece of that coral. And it's just one of those things. No one would ever buy that frag because it's not, you know, macro uh, popping. You know, you take a macro photograph with a orange filter, it's just green. There is no texture to it. There's no polyp color to it. There's no edge to it. It's just a classic, very thin, very bright green cap. And uh, yeah, I'll be featuring that coral here in the near future. 
Yeah, I've noticed a lot of uh, people who do post pictures of caps, they're almost um, in a lot of systems just like a plating coral versus like getting that upwards cup-like growth that starts to scroll into itself. You don't mm-hmm. see that very often anymore in tanks. And I don't know if it's a maturity thing that they just haven't had it long enough. Um, but I've for seen sure. it. <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the more you were I, talking, the more I was thinking about that. Like, when's the last time I've seen like a proper scroll on a, on a, a money cap? spiral cap. Yeah. So that was the cool thing about this green one is it wasn't spiraling. It was a bunch of mini whorls, about That's two right. inches just coming off of like this big angular thing. And it was too close to the glass to get a good clean shot of it. But man, I just stared at that thing for a while. And it just, it really kind of brought me back to the love of the most basic coral. And I think it was at Aquashella and at TSA, you know, people ask me, was my favorite coral at the studio? Was my favorite coral at Top Shelf Aquatics? And I'm always like, Whichever one's doing the best right now, that will always be my answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would all, or you know, the ones that have been super challenging. So spending some time at, at Top Shelf was super fun. They are uh, they really leaned into this N- NSA Aquascape thing. I saw the uh, so video you re- did on that tank right by, I guess, the front door. Uh, it was, I believe, mm-hmm. a Red Sea tank, mm-hmm. and yep. uh, I loved the um, less rock, small fish. You know, a lot of small fish. And then I, I did I did enjoy that he did a freshwater trick of having different grades or different levels of substrate. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Cross-pollination of ideas. And I mean, the reef hobby is just barely getting a glimpse of osquascaping ideas and philosophy. You know, I'm not trying to be all deep about it, but when you... Bring a few of these elements together, like having negative space or open space to highlight the occupied space, you just get so much more of an accent. That's why I feel like when you have a reef tank just totally chock full and everything's mega fluorescent, it doesn't draw your eye as much. You can't really focus on anything. I really believe in supporting actors when Mm -hmm. it comes to corals and fish. I do think... Like it was cool to see how many different versions of like pre-made aquascapes Kevin had made at Top Shelf because um, they were using Cornerstone, they were using uh, Legacy Haiti Rock, Marco Rock, um, some other branch rocks. But I think it might have gone a little too far. <laughs> you know, this, this is American thing, right? You get an idea, you step in on the gas take it all the way. So that reef tank and featured in the video is only like a couple months old. So be, you know, it'll be, you'll have to be really, they will have to be really diligent because you feel it doesn't encrust. So it's not going to grow down and up the branches. Um, but at least it's injecting some novelty and some, something different to look at. That's pretty cool. What's funny though, is like nowadays, the thing that really warms my heart is seeing a rock wall. I saw a rock wall tank. I don't I don't know if it was on YouTube or in person, but it wasn't too long ago. And it was just almost like a super classic style aquascape. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, look at that. It's so cute. But you know, the the, the pendulum will, will swing back the other way. What's your feel? What's your take on the NSA aquascape in general? So I tried it in my tank just out of curiosity. Um and I created well, I don't really have an NSA aquascape, but I tried to create some interesting sculptures um, and then I ended up breaking it apart because I didn't feel like I had a lot of, I had all these cool overhangs, but I didn't really have hidey holes for my fish. And 
So then I started to hack it up again. But then when I took this leather out, I whipped out the uh, runny super glue in a bag of sand and I, I started to take dry off some of the pieces and do a little bit of sculpting just because removing such a huge coral that was very tall, I felt like I needed to build up the height a bit. Um, I think it has its place. I think a lot of people go overboard with it because it's it's fun. It's interesting. It's a whole hobby into itself, right? It's like sculpting when you it's have a this bright rock. Yeah, but it's fun. I can see how somebody can really get into it and, you know, sitting in their back porch or whatever with chunks of rock and start building these formations. Um, I don't know. I... I haven't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it except for the fact that I don't like the fact that it's a single piece of rock and there's really no nooks and crannies half the time. I mean, that depends on what you do with that rock, I guess. But the the ones I've seen, I, I don't see a lot of places for fish and microorganisms to go crawl around and hide it. And, and to me... The one thing I miss about the wall of rock is when you would see those tanks and you see little fish darting in and out because, you know, the whole tank was a hidey hole <laughs> at that yeah, point. But, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I remember many, many years ago getting some Xenia from a guy and I went, he was tearing down his tank as he was moving and I was shocked at how much rock he had in that tank. I was like, oh my God, you know, it was like more rock than glass on that tank. Um but there was something, like you said, enamoring about it. You know, I in one respect, I didn't feel like his tangs had a lot of room to swim. But on another end, it was like you could stare at that tank for days and see something new, you know. Um, so One thing about when you're diving, <clears throat> everything's a surface. Yeah. Right? It's a three-dimensional, but it's still like a surface. So seeing the rock wall, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is that we need a balance of those two things as far as like really dense rock, really branchy rock, a couple of rocks that really stand out, and then a few of the Morocco rocks that are just like clones of old school Kani where your fish can really get into. We're not talking about the tiny little hidey holes for, for little blennies and just like the smallest wrasses and gobies. You know, we're talking about like... Uh, crevices and caverns that are part of the rock and the rock, you know, a medium sized fish can be inside of there and looking out. That's, that's what we, what uh, Mark and I are talking about right now. Yeah. And there, I mean, perfect example is me removing that coral. There comes times where you have to move stuff around and some of these people build these giant singular sculptures and then they put all these encrusting corals on it. And I'm like, what do you, if you got to move a coral around? Like, what if this coral starts stinging that coral and they got to chisel it off or something? Whereas when you, there's something to be said for the pile of loose rocks that lock in, you know, mm. like the old school way we used to just lock them in. I still do. You can, you can shuffle things around when you need to. And I, I always wonder like, what do you do if everything's a, a fixed sculpture and and, you know, it's a 24-inch long branching NSA tree. Like, what do you do with the corals? Now you got to scrape them off. And That reminds me of Evan and I worked really hard leading up to reef stock because we knew we'd have probably a couple visitors. And we timed a lot of our real deep cleanings and maintenance we still do it for ourselves, but we time it for reef stock, you know. And one tank that has been uh, just not not a trouble tank, but not 
as awesome as I'd like is my acan garden, you know, true acanthastrias of all different species with a few coniastrias and um, other favids on the bottom. It's been uh, just kind of choking up with funk and growing a weird amount of valonia that just doesn't happen in the entire system. And so I started doing some cleanup on it. And as I was like kind of moving rocks around, I noticed like, man, there's a giant like clump of valonia here and over there. And when I started pulling out the rock because it became impossible to clean it inside the tank, it was completely choked up with sponge. You know, when you know, imagine like you you assemble your rock in such a way and you have certain points that are resting on the bottom. And in your mind, you picture fish hiding under there, kind of flow sweeping under there, um, you know, keeping everything well um, uh, aerated and, and moving. It was so bad that instead of cleaning the rock, we chipped off, you know, the two or three corals that had started encrusting and just threw the rock outside. It was like not... Even it was a non-starter to try to refurbish that rock as is, and it was so much sponge, man. Like, like literally talking about handfuls. Like you're familiar with um, the kind of thin white ones that's kind mm -hmm. of wispy and sometimes green and sometimes red. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like nearly solid, semi-branching yellow sponge. And once again, I love sponge in a vacuum. <laughs> I love what sponges are and what they represent in the beginning of colonial and multicellular life forms. They bridge that gap awesomely. But when it's choking out my tank, uh, no thank you. And so that I was reminded of this because you were talking about the interlocking rocks. And this tank was super simple to, to take apart. And then I just grabbed a few more new rocks, propped them in there. And like half of the aquascape is actually... Um, Oh, God, the magnetic frag racks I featured not too long ago that are black with, like, pink accents. So there's basically two jumbo rocks with corals on them. One rock had become just war coral. So that one, obviously, <laughs> we, we, you know, we left it alone and scraped off what was required. There's two jumbo rocks. And then there's, like, just a skirt of magnetic frag racks around it. Got all my egg hands in there, and it looks so good. But, yeah, if you have this kind of problem, right, where... Anything, anything can choke out your, your rockscape, valonia, sponges, thick algaes, biofilms, you know, a couple of years old. Um, if, if your rockscape isn't just totally locked in like that, I don't know how you maintain it. Yeah. You know, I think all reef tanks deserve, you know, I've talked a lot about maintaining and servicing your equipment. You know, we both have really drilled down into that. I think we had a session just about that. But one thing that's not talked about nearly as much is kind of the spring cleaning of your reef tank. Whenever you want to do it, you know, once or twice a year, you need to, you know, you need to be involved with what's happening in the cleaning of your tank. Oh, right? yeah. You can't just assume that your cleanup crew and your pumps that are you know in static positions is going to be enough to hit those spots where the tried to settles out um and i can just i can see that i can tank for now it looks amazing it looks amazing <laughs> it looks so good that reminds me this past weekend i had these lofty goals after we had our last discussion of i find stray singular valonias right no biggie you know i pop them but uh, i always think it's funny i'm like well I mean, I, I'll go on a weekend and just get all of them, right? And except all the ones I can see. 
And then more pop-ups, and we talked about how uh, I was harvesting macroalgae, and I forgot that I had leftover live rock that I didn't use that I left, I put in my refugium, and it was covered in Valonia. And to your point of like, don't do that, you're just growing pests there, right? Um, so I had this- It's big, a refuge It's a refuge for, for Valonia. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so yeah, Sunday, I was like, man, I'm going to- I made it. I'm going to make up some salt water. I'm going to pull that rock out. I'm going to clean up the macroalgae I do grow and like put in just a nice clean lump of it and, you know, siphon out the sump of any, any other nuisance algae and just, you know, a little bit of spring cleaning. Um, and then my wife was like, Hey, we need to replace the kid's toilet. I'm like, Oh, that's a two hour job. I'll fit that in. And then you take the toilet off. The flange is broken. So then I have to replace it's the, always flange. the flange. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock and I'm like, I didn't get to work on my tank. <laughs> so, so hopefully this weekend I'll get to that. But, um, but yeah, I, I had the once, I had once the tiny Valonia just go crazy in my tank and it just happened in a matter of like a month. It just like a bloom. It was many years ago, but I was able to take each rock out, scrub it down in a bucket, you know, and sort of restart the tank and preserve the coral. I don't know how you'd do that with one of these uh, rock sculptures. That'd be a pain in the butt to take all that out. It's it's cool. I'm enjoying seeing people's creativity being exercised in certain directions but like i said when the pendulum swings back a little bit to having a good foundation of rock and then a few outstanding structures i think that's going to be more manageable in the short term and the long term and i mean collectoritis can only last for so long i mean everybody you know out of all the people who've gotten into it at some point they just kind of let their tank coast and they look back at their tank and they start having like some nice showy colonies I was actually quite surprised that, you know, of all the tanks here, uh, Stephen of Top Shelf, he pointed out my least favorite tank. There's nothing wrong with it, but I call it the kitchen sink because it's got acros, it's got turbinarias, it's got bird's nest, it's got pavona, um, decusata, you know, the mint chimp pavona, mm-hmm. um, it's got astriopores on the ground, it's got stuff glued to the back, and everything's, you know, good reasonable size. But it wasn't until he said something, I started looking at the tank, I'm like... Yeah, these are kind of all like decent sized colonies. I think it's time to hack them down because <laughs> a lot of things are starting to touch. It does look like a nice reef wall. Um, but, so that was interesting. Yeah, I I saw some of the pictures of everybody coming to the studio. It looked like a good party. I was uh, I was envious, like, oh man, that'd be fun to listen to the conversations going down in that room at that time. Um, uh, so before we get into the after party, I'd like to talk about Reefstock a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I want to hear about it since I didn't get to go. First of all, we've been doing Reefstock every year since 2008. When I first started Reefstock, I was like, not quite destitute, but looking down the hall at, <laughs> you know, like poverty or whatever. I had no business doing it. And I made a ton of mistakes. And I hoped that a hundred people would show up. And I didn't have cash. I didn't have wristbands. I didn't have change. I didn't have so many things. And we had 200 people turn out in 2008. And it never occurred to me to do it again. Never. Until 11 months later. 11 months later, I'm just like, 
hey, maybe I should do reef stock again. And I just happened to call the downtown aquarium and they just happened to have like a perfect space at a reasonable price. And the, the rest is history, you know, and it was interesting at this year's reef stock that it was a time warp for a lot of folks because it was in March 2020 before the hammer came down. And some people hadn't done reef shows. Some people hadn't been to reef shows, especially locally. Um, there's not another event like it around. So we're just able to just, you know, remember where we were <laughs> two years ago at Restock. But it was just so nice to just get back in the saddle and re-energize the local scene and, and see everybody in that setting once again. And, you know, I do a lot of traveling to go find new aquarium products and, and mingle and find out what people are up to. And it's just, man, it's such a treat to do it on my home turf, not to mention go coral shopping where I just have to drive the corals home. <laughs> it's a whole other proposition compared to like, oh crap, how am I going to get these shipped? Am I going to hand carry these corals? Am I going to check them in? Whatever, you know, how is the airlines going to treat them? And this time I was able to go a little bit overboard and uh, I don't regret one single coral that I bought. It was so great. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to go broke um, in April for sure. Yeah. Uh, if if the vendor turnout is good here at the Aquatic Expo, I'm going to be in trouble because it's just too easy. You know, I just like, oh, I can just take these home. It is too easy. And so the one of the things that, you know, I want people to know about aquarium events and stores and coral vendors is no one has a monopoly on good quality corals. Even the best of them on a long enough timeline, they'll take some dips in the size of their frags or the quality or just you know, customer service. And so if you cast a really wide net, to even the most no-name companies or just unknown, um, they might be selling something that you really want at a price that they don't really care. You know, so you might get some really cool frags for 20 to 30 bucks and vice versa. You know, there's definitely certain coral vendors who, for example, might be really into endophilia and they are happy to part with it for like $1,500. <laughs> that is not the place to buy the endophilias from. Now you can multi multiply that across, you know, so, you know, um, Grandmaster Krakatoas, um, Hallucinations. There's some zoanthids that people are really proud of still going close to like $100 per polyp. And so I'm, I'm close to finally getting my hands on the Grandmasters that I still remember the writing the story. One single polyp was like $2,000 or $1,500 on eBay. And if you're slinging and farming, that you know that's an investment that makes sense. I'm not knocking it, but I'm just so happy that I'm like this close to getting a frag of more than one polyp for about 100 bucks because that is great looking zoanthid in person under a wide range of lighting. Yeah, I don't know if I've become less patient or it's just taking longer uh, for a hot new coral to come down in price over the years. But that's that's been a bit frustrating. Is um, it? I've lost interest in corals while waiting uh, for them to get cheaper. <laughs> you know. All right. Um, so, so I've been saying for a long time that because there's such a laser focused on rainbow tenuous, we are hurtling towards that yeah. coral becoming a commodity. 
because the Indonesian farmers are propagating and farming the hell out of it. When I was at Top Shelf Aquatics, you know, they have some of these highest named um, Looney Tunes and crazy colored, tenuous, you know, within the hobby. And so their farm is full of like crazy rainbow colors, Walt Disney and Home Wrecker and all that stuff. And they had a tank full of Indonesian mariculture tenuous that weren't all colored up. And they were like $150 to $300 for colonies, bro. And it's like, yes, $150 for a, you know, a small, not that small, mariculture tenuous colony. You can pick out the one that is going to maybe shine and, and show those colors that you want. Who cares what it's called? But it was awesome to finally see it in a retail store setting because I've been saying this for, I don't know, two or three years. Like, it's only a matter of time for those things are only a couple hundred bucks per colony. And now there's so much supply that uh, it's just going to outstrip demand. And next thing you know, man, those girls are going to be 75 to to $100 for a colony. That Maybe one more year, they won't be able to, you know, export those corals from you know, more than 20 bucks plus shipping. That's going to be about $100 corals at retail. And it's like... Yep, that's what happens when you throw all your eggs in this one basket. And I'm, I'm just very excited to see that trend move over to the, you know, the smooth skin, deep water, naked acropora. Because I have a bunch, but I've always loved those. You know, you and I were there when those things just became possible, right? When they went from a book coral to like, all right, there's Suharsanoi, there's Simplex, there's some Pishanai. And uh, yeah, I can't wait till hopefully that that eventually happens because they're lower light corals and um i think you know what i think i'm gonna have to be the one i'm gonna have to be the one to start a campaign showing off the ones that i have and how they grow and lower light and they're just so neat so you can literally grow them under your fancy schmancy tenuous <laughs> that's one thing i do love about them yeah you can grow them under stuff i know you talked about setting up like a dedicated tank for them at one point um and it would be such a different beast than like an SPS, normal SPS Acropora dominated tank in every every sense of the word when it comes to lighting, flow, all of it, right? That would be cool to see. Yeah, I mean, we used to be so worried about not giving a coral enough light. And with these corals, we're just like, don't give them too much light. Don't give them too much light. <laughs> they might adapt, but they'll grow a little differently and they just won't look the part. Um, but what was really cool too about reef stock is just seeing a lot of the movers and shakers in the industry. Once again, I can't believe how many uh, rock offerings Carib Sea's producing. Every show, I swear to God, they have a new nano art or new coral tree or some some new thing like I, I we did a video about reef stock walkthrough. I haven't published it yet. And I'm just like, man, Carib Sea, we used to think about them just for sand. Mm -hmm. All the sands. What kind of sands do you want? Carib Sea's got you. Fine, coarse, extra coarse. And now it's like, I don't even see their sand around. Now it's all about that rock. Well, and their very big, big first rocks. rock offering, no offense to them, was like really bad. I remember it was just like these chunky rock things. And I was like, what are they doing? But then you look at how far they've come in terms of their shapes I really like that they now have um, that cut rock, but in color, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I really, um, I dig the uh, stacks or the Marco rocks that are cut and you could do some cool Lego like shelves with them and stuff. Um, but I don't like white rock, right? I, I am one of those people that would like to cheat a little bit and get a jump start on the purple. Um, so I thought Speaking that was cool which, they came out with those. 
Carib Sea, they were showing off a half-colored rock. What? So Judd was showing me this rock that has like a, a kind of a darker brown base, not like the uglies of algae that you usually think of, but it's the color that they treat the rock with before they make it purple for people who don't necessarily want it to be, you know, a full uh, plum colored reef tank. And they want something that's not bright white, but also not vivid purple. And it's just kind of like this darkish brown stuff that looks and sounds, it looks a lot better than it sounds. I'll, I'll tell you that. But the same rock that you're talking about is basically darkened. It's basically just like stained. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not, that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, but yeah, also having, you know, Reef Suck has a rich, long history of companies launching new products there. And, uh, you know, I am Tunzi, you know, to my surprise, they um, they have an interesting relationship with Kessel. You know, they make their own LED strip lights, but in Europe, I think they're the Kessel distributor. So those are two great companies kind of team them up. But then the other thing is the carbon doser. It's oh, crazy because I wrote about okay. this thing so long ago that um, I'd forgotten that I'd written about it because uh, it was just uh, from a website called AquariumPlants.com. But basically, it's an electronic um, bubble counter, so a solenoid. So you have to – previously, it was rigidly attached to a first and second stage CO2 regulator. And then it was just like this super fancy bubble counter to meter out how many bubbles – uh, for your planted tank. Um, then they got renamed as carbon doser and then became more popular for calcium reactors. And so now they've made a new version with feedback from Tunzi or some engineering from Tunzi and they put it in a really durable poly case, which should really help um, uh, reduce any kind of moisture ingress. Like it was hard for me to take it apart. And if any manufacturer is listening, you know damn well, uh, one of the first things I'm going to do before I turn it on is take it all apart. And um, so it was cool, though, to see a second generation 13 years later. But fundamentally, it's no different. Even the dial and like the faceplate is exactly the same. All right. So this is one thing I would love to bounce off of you because I have planted tanks and I have calcium reactors. And uh, my bubble rate on my 50-gallon planted tank is about two bubbles per second. And the bubble rate on my Seachem Element calcium reactor is about two to three bubbles per second. And I it was really – I'm wondering if I'm just missing something here and how other people are running calcium reactors. But the carbon doser is measured in seconds per bubble. So a much slower metering, rate, say, metering yeah. rate. You couldn't a much. It's like one, two, up to ten, and there's like a very small region that's like zero to point one. But it's like so small you couldn't dial in multiple bubbles per second. What am I missing here? So you can't do more than one bubble a second. That's the fastest it'll go. Sure, but ten percent of the the dial goes from 0.1 to 1, right? So 90% of the dial goes from 1 to like 9 seconds per bubble. And I'm like, is this, an, is this upside down? Like, yeah. <laughs> are most people using calcium reactors and, and dosing a bubble every few breaths? Because that's not how I run my calcium reactors, man. They are cranking. Well, so when I ran a calcium reactor, I did a bubble about every two to three seconds, but that's a single tank, right? That's not a large system. Like I know you're running calcium reactors on those large troughs that you have, right? Those um, acrylic tanks. You've got a much higher calcium demand than I've ever had to deal with. So 
I'm sure there's guys out there with 500 gallon reef tanks that are bubbling the the, the crap out of their uh, their reactors. So for someone like me, I guess the average user, that's fine. Um, but in your, you know, but then you mentioned the planted system, a freshwater system, which your planted tank is not that big, and you're doing. That, it, it seemed to me like it was only suitable for very small planet tanks where mm. very low CO2 demands. But then why are you going to – it's $350 for a bubble counter because mm-hmm. you still need the regulator. Anyway, it's nice to see some some progress there. But in, internally and just like practically speaking, it didn't seem like it was fine-tuned for the kind of CO2 needs that modern fresh and saltwater aquarists uh, are needing these days. I mean, but maybe the, you need more tunability in the lower rates than you need in the higher rates. Like if it's, you know, let's say it's three bubbles or four bubbles per second, maybe that's not as much of a significant difference. But if you need to do like five seconds, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm probably I don't know. I'll I'll run it by Roger um, at the at the next show. But it's super cool that you know we're talking one of the few events that I get to see Tunzi at. But dude, by far the biggest attraction of the show was the Red Sea Reef Mat. Well, I was going to jump back to Tunzi because I saw that they released okay, a um, a replacement for that bilge pump that they use in their ATO. Um. And I thought that was cool because that was always, to me, the one thing I disliked about their ATO. Um, but now Can you they elaborate have like, a little bit because I'm not picturing it. And if I'm not picturing it, other people aren't picturing it. It's, yeah. It is their auto top-off pump, right? Yeah. So the Tunzi auto top-off, you, I mean, you can connect anything to it. But um, it was essentially almost like a hardwired pump, right? Like it, you, you would, it had like bare wire. But it was a little bilge pump, you know, something you'd have on like a boat or something. And I mean, when they died, they died, right? And there was they were difficult to clean and maintain. Um, so they came out with this little like centrifugal pump for the auto top off, and uh, you can completely disassemble, you can clean it, which I thought was pretty cool because I mean, some you know some folks will dump calc in their ATO and. Okay, I was thinking like Roger didn't show me that he totally did show me that, and it's uh it's unique. So it's yeah. definitely a little interesting. You know me, I'm uh, you know a gravity top-off kind of guy. Yeah. But the pump looked custom, and I don't understand the design changes that they've implemented or or why. But I know that the Tunzi Osmolator has been you know one of the most popular auto top-off devices for a really long time, and so they really put a lot of effort into the Tunzi Osmolator too. So yeah, he did show me that, and it's a weird looking little pump just because it, it looks like somebody pinched pinched it on one side, but it was very well engineered. Um, but yeah, I need to learn a little bit more about why <laughs> just the why why does it look like this yeah i mean the people i know that use them um they're very reliable but the one thing that does seem to go on them is those little bilge pumps every once in a while you got to replace it so i'm hoping i don't know much details about it but i'm hoping it's a more reliable pump um and i do like well there's a whole write-up it. on reef builders that i'm literally reviewing my write-up from september oh. to just refresh my memory Okay, I'll read. Just it. like yeah, Mark Flato. He's um, oh goodness, what is his company? Mirwasser Aquaristic. He's all in German, but he's been actually feeding me some of this information. Um, so he did a video on it not too long ago. But yeah, I did an article about it, and I need I need to reread it to kind of know what that was about. But yeah, jumping onto the uh, the the Red Sea roller all weekend long, you could not 
look at the Red Sea booth and see the reps repeating themselves about the reef mat. So I got the larger unit. Um, they left it behind. I didn't even look at the smaller one. I really should have gotten one picture of the two next to each other. Um, but I got the larger one. And I didn't, didn't even like pay attention to it because there's you know, so much stuff going on in reef stock. Um, I was like, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll take it back to the studio and, and take it all apart. So today, that's what I did. Without any instructions, I just very carefully just took every little thing apart. And there's probably like 40 pieces and this is not the kind of disassembly that anyone else would actually do. I was just, I'd like taking everything apart because as I'm taking it apart and putting it back together, I'm, I'm kind of putting myself in the shoes of probably Neil Marks, which is one of their lead designers and thinking, why did he do this? Why did he do that? And as I was putting it all back together, I was like, these guys have been running everybody else's filter role for a while. They know all the problems. You know, there's a, such a huge emphasis on flexibility. The one thing that's been holding back the automatic filter rolls is a drop-in solution, right? It's kind of really hard to retrofit an existing setup with an automatic filter roll. It's just really hard. And so they've addressed everything. And just the fact that they're a tank maker and a sump maker and they also have the stands, they really had to approach the reef mat in a holistic manner, right? Yeah. It's not just, I really feel like some of the earliest units were barely more than like a perforated basket with a float switch and a motor that could barely turn the filter material um, when the float switch is activated. But there's just like this laundry list of hurdles that pop up in actual use. You know, the, the, the tension that, uh, that the, the fleece kind of puts on the motor, the friction um, and the torque that uh, the gears experience if you have a non-direct drive assembly. Um, replacing the filter roll, man, I, I love my Clarices. I love their small footprint. I'm so glad they're now in third generation. But it's it was so goofy that, like, if somehow you, you spool through, if you pulled all the way through, you basically have to disassemble that whole thing to re-spool some new filter roll. Yeah. But right? you have one now, right? Yeah. And it was funny. The first thing I, well, the one of the first things I did when I got it was order a stapler off Amazon, <laughs> you know, because. That's a, how is that okay? <laughs> how is that okay to expect users to have a stapler so you can staple new roll onto the old roll so you can spool it through? I, I mean, the, I'm okay. I'm used to it now. Yeah, I I appreciate it. I have we have a stapler specifically for that purpose, and I'm like, that's not cool. <laughs> I, I not, thought that's not my favorite. I mean, I when I first got it, that was my first reaction. I was like, well, how do I start a new role? And then you know, you go on YouTube, and somebody's like, oh, you just staple the new one to the old one, and then just you know pull it through. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. But to your point, yeah, I mean, you know. It's, it's uh, kind of shirking the responsibility of the user experience to the user, right? And so the reef mat, man, like th there's something really neat about how everything kind of locks in and comes out and the things that need to come apart, come apart. And like there's this, there's a section on the front that's hinged and it hinges like back and down into like a little a little working table basically so as you're spooling or unspooling um it's just right there but um so yeah actually uh one of the most 
the best design decisions about this thing. I haven't even gotten into the app. It's, so I have a, I installed it today, but it's not in the app yet, right? So we can't really talk about the app features. But one of the biggest, huge benefits is they use a 200 micron fleece, right? So the large pore fleece for most other automatic filter rolls is like 50. And I'm like, I don't need my water polished. That's what micron filters are for. You know, diatomaceous earth, old school, vortex, baby, that vort, vortex, not vortex. And so they use a 200 micro uh, mesh fleece. And I've been saying this for so long as like, as it clogs up, those pores just get smaller. So I installed the reef mat probably about three hours ago. The water level is only still like two inches from the bottom. Right. So it's clogging itself and becoming a smaller pore automatic filter roll. And it, man, I don't know if it's going to be activated by tomorrow morning. <laughs> I don't even know, but it's just really nice to see the, the progress of automatic filter rolls. I've been waiting on them since 2010 and it was really slow to start. Like, up until about 2016, 2017. And yeah, now it's going to be way more standard on more tanks. And uh, it's a big thing. It, it is so, it looks so much smaller in pictures. You know, I'm sure they took a lot more pictures of these, the, the smaller, more miniature reef mat. I think it's a 500 and a reef mat 1200. But the flow rates, like this thing's so new, I don't, have, I don't have the specs fresh in mind. But the 1200, I think, can handle well over like 2,000 gallons per hour or something. They rated for a 300-gallon tank. But I'm thinking to myself, man, that's actually really going to work really going to work and there's some i actually took apart the controller and there's a gearbox for advancing the motor and there's a separate gearbox with just a, a dial that's connected to a dial inside the controller that is attached to your spent spool so there's some interplay there between the rolling spool and the spent spool where that little device is going to know if there's an issue between the two you know what i'm saying mm. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it's kind of hard to picture. I just got my wrapped my head around it today, but um, it, it, it's one of those things I kind of missed about reef stock. You know, a lot of companies would time their releases for reef stock coming to Denver, leaving some you know unreleased gear with me, and then you know after reef stock, I have all these new corals and a few new toys to play with, and like. Yeah, that's what Reef Tacos about, man. Selfishly, yeah, that's for me. It's it's awesome. But no, it was really cool to to meet a lot of people. A lot of people. Oh my god, I, I don't remember this in his name, but there was a guy from England, diehard reefer, right? And he was kind. Of, he came out here for a wedding, and he thought, oh, maybe I'll get a tour of you know the Reef Builder Studio. And instead, he found out that Reefstock was happening the same day. Oh, nice. And the look on his face, man, all day long, because he got, you know, a day pass from the family or whatever. And um, at one point, it was during the Heineken. I was like, man, did you literally just grab the only beer you recognize? Just gave him a little little chat for that. Then later on, I just kind of handed him a, a local uh, Colorado native IPA. You know, it was nice, chewy, you know beer with some body that guy will never forget so shout out to that bloke i'm sorry i forgot your name reefstock is so much sensory input it's kind of hard to remember some of the smaller details but he 
man, that definitely punctuated his reef keeping experience. And there's another gentleman who's a super fan uh, from from Tennessee, just like did it all up. He had bought everything for his tank to the point where he didn't even bother putting in the raffle because he had everything he needed <laughs> just in a in a pile there. And it's just super cool to see. Um, uh, you know, there's there's other shows out there that have their own twist on things, but just to see someone come all the way from Tennessee and just there for the reef, capital R, reef stock, you know, and just getting everything that they ever wanted. And, uh, you know, the vendors uh, are all cherry picked and they all have a, a great attitude and disposition. Everybody's there just having a good time. It was so much fun, bro. It was so much fun. I mean, I missed out, but I watched a lot of uh, YouTube folks that were there uh, document it. And uh, the one common sen- sentiment that they all were expressing is that it felt like old times, like pre-COVID, you know, and that mm-hmm. um, it almost had a large impact on everybody in the sense that, it, you know, with a lot of the restrictions easing around mask mandates and all that other stuff. It's like, Oh, okay, we're back. You know, that, that was the thing that I, I heard a lot in, um, I think mile high reefer, he did it in his video too. He mentioned it just, it felt like 2020 again, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, this is what this used to be like. And the good part of 2020. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> not the later parts of 2020. The or early not 2020. Parts were just like I, sorry. Uh, he was talking about pre COVID reef stock, but, um, so yeah, sorry, yeah. I got my dates wrong there. 2020 was sort of when we were in the thick of it. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, uh, who knows what the future holds, but you know, things are, are looking in a positive direction and I could just see how getting together with people you haven't seen in a long time in that kind of setting, you know, with a passion and that you share. talking reef. Yeah. When there's just like what we're doing. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, we had some big fancy banner, like 30 foot long backlit illuminated with reef therapy logo and some reef therapy merch. And it all just flew out the door. It's, it, it, I've been doing it for so long, man, that just, you know, content production, but it was, it still is just like a uh, warm and fuzzy feeling when, uh, you know, the people who were there two hours before the doors open, like every third or fifth person has a reef builder shirt or reef therapy shirt, reef therapy shirts. that I don't even have. <laughs> I, yeah. like, all right. like, First I can't have video it all, I but... popped up just just like, oh, I wonder how reef stock went. Oh, let me see some videos of people at reef stock. And I saw a dude wearing a reef therapy shirt in the video and I paused it and I ran over to my wife. I'm like, check this out. <laughs> It just made my day. It's super cool. And, um, you know, a lot of folks are enjoying it in in a way that we like to enjoy content just on their drives or during work or working on their tanks. And that's that's really what it's about. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of cool to produce written content, video content, audio content. And then once a year, we can have this reef aquarium party where we actually get together and just talk reef and, you know, compare notes. And you never know who I'm going to be asking questions from because if someone is having success or challenges with certain groups of corals or fish or equipment like i might need that data point to enter into my broader view of you know how i perceive certain corals or fish or gear and so yeah you have it just a and same thing with with freshwater Uh, just have a big open mind and uh, just never know what you're going to come across and uh you know this we are we have a a full-on 
event organizer. So shouts out, shout out to Marissa Francis. This was her first show for us and she just killed it, man. Like it's nice to have one dedicated person whose job it is to have all the answers. So I wasn't super in tune with everybody that was coming to the show. Um, but there's a local beta guy, MB betas. He got a booth and it's just it's still a reef show, but having a beta, it's just like when you're walking around with you know younger kids, it's, you can't really just uh, impulse buy them a nano reef, right? Because you know you're going to end up taking care of it. Yeah. But you sure as hell can impulse buy yourself a really nice beta. And I got a really nice beta, man. He's kind of like wine red black mostly with just these perfectly evenly spaced white scales mostly on the top of the body uh, a little bit shorter fin you know more like a yeah. pecot and uh, i can see him from here he's amazing he's so cool it's amazing to, to for reef guys to be like fighting over betas at the reef show <laughs> well, <laughs> it was me and a couple of guys were approaching the booth at the same time it was like i got all the corals i got all the fish but i need a one or two betas every one or two years because i've got these little vessels all over and uh just gotta have those betas man i saw one coral vendor was also selling some plants uh some yep, terrestrial yep. you know like cool indoor uh house plants which i would have probably picked up a few of those because that's been the only you know. thing they did wrong is they didn't bring nearly enough house plants. Really? Like nearly enough. Like they could really could have had a shelf on the whole back and just filled it with plants. So they just, you know, they had a, I don't know, maybe like 30, 40 plants, like sold out everything. But man, you really want to spruce up a, a, an aquarium store of any kind or an aquarium setting, get yourself some low light plants that are just going to absolutely thrive on the bleed light from your aquarium. And yeah, that's, that's another thing that's just super awesome. You know, um, husband was totally into the reef. She was totally into the plants. They both, you know, enjoy both of them. And this is like, you know, me, I you know, keep a lot of house plants here in the studio and kind of exotic plants, not to mention the mangrove trees. Um, so yeah, it's just really cool to see some organic crossover, right? We didn't ask these people specifically to spice up our show. They just participated. And so there was one, uh, so the closest store, aquarium store to our venue is Aqua Rocks, Colorado, which is the only aquascaping themed shop. They're like in freshwater Denver. planted oriented, right? Oh no, they're not freshwater. It's plants and aquascaping materials and ah. aquascaping tools. I don't think he sells a single fish. You want some rare plants? So like to a couple of days before restock, I popped in because I took a roundabout route and I got like a really fancy sword plant. Uh, Ikanodorus Iguazu for those, some of you crossover guys for 70 bucks. I've been wanting that plant for like 10 years and it was always like hundred dollars for a tiny thing Then he had basically like a mother plant um, and got a couple things to spruce up the, my planted tank because I knew, you know, some some folks are going to be coming over. And one of our speakers is Mike Sensky, world-renowned aquascaper and aquascaping judge. So I was like, oh, I need a, I just need to dull it up just a tiny bit, just a tiny bit. And it was so worth it. It was actually, I was really trying to keep uh, the attendance, the visitors to the studio, you know, really low key, really down low. And I think we had just enough people. And thankfully, the brewery was open and there was a Thai food truck out that night. So everybody had oh, their food, perfect. everybody had their drinks. But, <laughs> it, you know, it's crazy. So here's the thing. I think this is going to be, you know circling around to putting a nice bow on all this conversation. We talk, you know, you talk about community, we talk about getting together, we talk about in-person conversations, but like one thing that I, is really becoming clear is most of the experienced reefers 
kind of dog on their own setups. They kind of rag on their own tanks and they're like, oh, this should be better. Or that coral should be better or this and that. But when you go Dude, to that I'm, person's I'm house. I'm terrified of you coming in April and seeing my tanks. You know, I'm like, that's not good enough. <laughs> Let me finish. Yeah. When you go to that person's tank and it's a new, fresh setup, you're like, oh, my goodness. Uh, look at this coral and that coral and how are you doing this and blah, blah, blah. And having that uh, communion, the reef aquarium communion, like it helps you put your own tanks in perspective. You know, mm -hmm. Evan and I in, are in here five days a week, nine to five, sometimes longer or more days. And to us, these are just like average good looking tanks. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just average good looking tanks. But then folks come over and they're just like... What am I looking at here? This is crazy. I don't see any rock. I don't see any powerheads. It's just fields and fields and fields of happy, healthy coral. But we see it all the time, and I've been growing it from frags. I'm still, like, waiting for that coral to get bigger and on and on and on, you know. But really having uh, the cross-visitation helps put your own tanks in perspective in a way. And that was that was really cool, you know. It's it's neat to to discover the coral that everybody talks about. And this, the, you know, besides my rose-colored acropora, I just call it the rose. It doesn't use a funky, swanky name. But I was able to show the frags were just looking crazy and like super highlight, higher nutrients, lots of trace elements. And then I'd go show them the mother in the, the Red Sea Monopora tank, which is like fully developed, um, very highlight, but low nutrients and like low trace elements because I'm still a little gun-shy from what happened to my thinner-branched acros. They can't believe it's the same coral. But that's the beauty of it, right? Like, boom, here's this is what the frags are doing right now. And that's what the mother colony is doing right now. So you, at least the shape will be the same. But maybe you can get this, the shape of the colony, with the color of the frags, you know. And um, But the definitely like the 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 breakaway hit of, you know, the reef viewers to the studio was the my St. Patrick's Day snake polyps. Do you remember those? Yeah. You know what yeah, snake yeah. polyps are, yep. right? Okay, so I've got a few different ones, but despite the pictures being out there, an article being like six or seven years old, I've had this calling for a long time. Um, everybody was talking about them snake polyps. They Just were in one right. of the uh, YouTube videos about restock that documented some of the after party events. Somebody yep. did a macro shot of that uh, snake. Yeah. Pole. And so I'm just like, all right, well, I guess I know what to put into propagation. I think I'm going to shorten the name to just Irish snake polyps, you know, but I remember naming those things around St. Patrick's Day, which happens to always come like a week or two after restock, but. I had to find those in Indonesia, and it was Reef Master Dwee out there. He had some, and he sent me a piece. And I was, you know, you have uh, I have a thousand corals, so I'm not like like really observing every one of them super critically all the time. But I was looking at it, and I was like, oh yeah, I think there is a couple extra polyps. Well, I guess I'm gonna have to shave off a couple for some folks because I want to share it. I want to make sure it gets out there. I want to make sure it it spreads. Right, I don't want to be where the buck stops. This is the opposite with reefing. The box does not stop here. <laughs> you make sure to cut it, reef as code, put it in the hands of some farmers who will grow it and enjoy it and share it. In five to ten years, I'll be going to all the reef shows and see the snake, you know, the Irish snake polyps everywhere. But yeah, the bright green snake polyp with crazy orange bumps. And the thing that's amazing is those corals look so dumb all the all day long. And they stand up at night with their bright white mouths and they look incredible. And you never get to see them like that. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but yeah, I wonder, let me know in the comments if 
um, sometime last Saturday, your social media feeds were just inundated with like live streams from the Reef Builder Studio. Um, I'm a little bit afraid for next year because I think a lot of people just expect that they can they can come. It's just it's, this space is not. You know, it's not a reef aquarium venue per se, but I know a lot of people are going to see it. And I, there was one moment, I swear, there was like six or seven phones out live streaming concurrently <laughs> at the exact same time. I haven't I seen those any are, of that. Uh, man, I, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to catch up on all the YouTubes, but they were all reef stock focused. Maybe they were trying to be respectful of... Uh, not filming too much in your space or something, but uh, I, th I think they might have been a lot of um, like temporary videos, like uh, like uh, Instagram reels and stuff. So up for twenty four hours and then and then gone. But you know, it's just super cool to see what people focus in on. And uh, you know, after all that work we did for restock and for the viewing of the studio, now I'm just left with some like super clean tanks, uh, some new reef toys, and some new corals. Let me know in the comments if I should do a video of the corals that I got at Reefstock because I dropped some coin on one acanthophilia because oh. it was reasonable price and I feel a little bit what, more comfortable putting one. That, what's the definition of reasonable? Uh, starting price was a thousand, but I got a you know fam a small family discount on that. I'll just leave it at that. But it was you know a little bit more army green with orange stripes, mm -hmm. you know, so not like super crazy bold red on bright green with like black accents. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, we got a little bit of raffle money in here. I was like, I'll just I'll reserve that one. But I got a nice colony of um, dendrophilia, which I put in the sump of the anemone system, which is totally open but unlit, so really easy to feed, but also view at any given time, because it's next to my botanical anemones. Um, I got a, a orange-ish tongue coral, so it's like not neon orange all over. Uh, shout out to Unlimited Color Corals, because man, they always bring out the diversity. It was a fair price on orange tongue coral, but now I still need like a neon, neon orange tongue coral. I got some button scolies. Here's the thing, man. You just never know where you're going to find some cool stuff. It was at the end of the last day that I found one vendor had these really cool like uh, smooth skin, deep water style, kind of open branching calling. And I don't know, it looked a little bit more raspy than Lokani because I have a lot of different Lokanis and they're all rounded right? They're all smooth, uh, rounded polyps, but this one's a little bit more raspy and it looked a little bit like the speciosas that had been labeled from Malaysia. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll get two frags and I'll do, I'll do that. I'll get two frags of the same thing so I can put it in different tank. One will be, you know, high light, high flow. One will be medium light, medium flow and just see which one it likes better. Um, I got, some crazy maimed kind of granulous thing from top shelf. I got another Cristata torch. I call them, I call Cristata's torch. You feel like Cristata because they're just a micro torch basically. Um, we got another color variety to go with my other three. So when I do my, um, doing an article uh, just on you feel Cristata's, um, people will see the range. Um, I can't resist an orange. Acanacanata, so I got one of those. I got a promising kind of philia, which is like some red splatter. And I love the story. You know, they were telling me this was not a wild coral. This was kind of like a trade-in. And it was a nice coral with lots of splatters. So they had a few different ones. Um, oh, my goodness. I got a Moselea that's like four inches across. And that's a single polyp. What? With like two polyps on one side and three polyps on the other. Like a super confused Moslea. So if you don't know what Moslea, it looks kind of like a uh, honeycomb. 
yeah. kind of large honeycomb coral, always kind of army greenish. And this Moselea, I don't know if it was just growing in the shade, but the single primary coralite, it's like four inches. I mean, no, the mouth is you know, almost an inch wide, but then the rest of the coralite is like four inches and it's got a couple daughter polyps on one side and like three on the other. I'm like, oh, I'm taking that and I'm going to treat you like a low light chalice and see if I can keep that going. That was super duper cool. There was a Scolemia vicensis. Um, you've seen him in orange. You've seen him in green. I got both of those in my ACAM tank. This one was like gray with like green splatters throughout. Super duper cool. I think that was from Seven Reef. And then I also got an Australomusa that is kind of like, you know, baby bluish with red streaks throughout it, you know, and good size, good size colony. I was like, man, I'm, I'm oh, I did a trade. Somebody had a really nice green branching bubble. And then he asked me about the Derek's indecision stag and the blue lightning stag. And I was like, how about we do a trade? And, you know, he's thinking I'm going to bring him a frag, right? And I was like, oh, you know, my frags are like this big, right? And I hadn't looked at that coral for a minute, and I knew I had two of them. And so I had to put it in a bucket. And when he wasn't in his booth, I just grabbed the bubble coral and, like, replaced it with a colony. Like, three branches, like, locked in my finger, just, like, filled up more than what the bubble coral. And he was, and we did a trade, and it was so much fun. That was super cool. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of the corals that I got. But it was a, it was a nice haul really fun and diverse corals and uh yeah a super good you know as i've said in this session it's super nice to have reef therapy again but i'll tell you what man my favorite show of the year is the first one after reef stock that i don't have to do <laughs> so aquatic expo i'll be walking around just just real spring in my step like oh what we just have to do one presentation sunday morning mark and i are gonna chew the cud and just talk about reefs awesome so, so yeah, I can't wait to see your reef tank. I'll bring you some corals, super clean. I'm going to make sure that they're isolated and very well conditioned and just ready to drop in. And, you know, no matter what your reef tank looks like, I'm sure we'll have some fun times just analyzing it together. Yeah, it needs, uh, it looks a little empty now with that big leather gone, but that's okay. You know, it's, um, it's just funny how now that, you know, I talk about my tank and up public setting like i'm much more critical of it you know whereas it of course um mm -hmm. if it was just sitting in the background like i could just do my own thing i wouldn't care you know if it like oh i'm gonna make this change and it's gonna look like crap for a year because i and you'll wait six months for yeah. the you know for whatever thing you wanted to happen to happen yeah and that's really challenging you know when there's a little bit more of a public eye on your stuff um, yeah you feel a little bit of pressure that's why I have That's freshwater okay. tanks that I don't have to share. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I've been, I need to stop, but I've been itching for a freshwater tank again. And every time I set one up, I end up tearing it down two years later. Um, but um, the variety of freshwater fish that I'm seeing, and maybe it's just because right now we're not seeing uh, as much variety of fish and coral in the marine trade, right? Like things are, you know, so all of a sudden, uh, God, I just saw some Botaya uh, loaches that I'd never seen before. I couldn't tell you what the name was. I just saw the picture and I saw them for sale. I was like, what the hell is that? You know? And then I was like, well, I got nowhere to put them. Why am I even looking at this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, yeah, it'll, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you in person in April. Um, 
would be yes, good. All, all of that restock video got me excited about Aquatic Expo, the one I did miss. So um looked like a good show. Looked like you picked up some good corals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because s- there was a store that was bringing in mosaleas and chopping them up into single polyps and selling them. And I was like, that's like one of those corals where that's a shame. You know, because it doesn't, it's not the most colorful coral. I mean, sometimes they're green, but they just are beautiful when they're like a a nice colony is really like the shape of it is beautiful. So when you chop it up into a single polyp, like to the untrained eye, nobody knows what they're looking at. Right. Um, But uh, that's a coral that was on my radar actually up until recently. So um, I'm glad you picked up one. I mentioned about reef stock. Uh, DL Reefs, Distinctive Living Reefs. This is the company that helped, that maintained that tank teardown that I did and moved over here. Yeah. And they had a tank full of aquacultured corals. And they were selling uh, Lobactus guteria. That's kind of the oval-shaped fungia, this kind of purple to green polyps. And Heliofungia fralinae, the wagon wheel fungia. All captive raised from like fungia trees, from $20 all the way to $100, including a baby blue long tentacle plate. Everything was cultured. And they had, you know, like traced lineage of, um, uh, or a uh, Australian delicate acro and like a bunch of other strains. And it was incredible to look at their tank and like everything was captive grown dude before the show opened i think they sold half of their plate corals to other vendors who were flipping them because they were starting them out at like 20 bucks because they just want the room at their space and julian bought the cultured baby blue long tentacle plate like dude that is how awesome is that and you just you have to get out there into the world to discover stuff like that so i really hope um you know they culture a bunch oh and tons of turbinara heronensis you know their their main coral guy danny's just got a uh real fixation on just the real cool oddball and classic corals you know as a service company they're a little bit insulated from what other people think which is awesome right we talked about <laughs> that awesome. how some of the best tanks are service accounts because they're just they let stuff grow out right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they just coast for 10 years and not really worry about trends and you know next thing you know they've just got piles of you know tank grown disc corals and old school or a acro strains that people have forgotten about so that was that was super fun and refreshing so um well i want to thank everybody and you for letting me wax poetically about uh, restock. We won't do it for another 51 weeks. <laughs> and uh, if I can help it, you will be the star of next year's restock. Wouldn't know what I would talk about, but I'm sure I'll come up, come up with I don't something. know. I think they would revolt if it. I think they would revolt if it wasn't you and me talking. <laughs> it's that dynamic, right? That dynamic interplay. Of course, I'd rather throw you up on stage and be like, yeah, here you go. But, you know, if the people want uh, a live reef therapy session, we'll, we'll give them that. But uh, so, yeah, I think we've mentioned it enough times. We're going to be at Aquatic Expo in Atlanta, first weekend of April. I can't wait to see your tank. I'm sure we're going to find some uh, creative ways to produce some content for the reef world. And, uh, it's good to talk to you again, Mark. Yeah, a couple good weeks. to catch up. You've been busy. It's good. I, I've been super busy prepping, and now I can just coast with the reef toys and the livestock and the videos that I've already made. So it's just like I, now it's just, just yeah. smooth rolling. 
I, I don't think people, I don't think a lot of people understand like how much work you put into things. You know, when you add it all up, you, know, you think about reef builders, you think about not only the written content, but the video content. And then, you know, you do all the work around reef therapy. Then you've got reef stock. I mean, it's, it's a ton, man. Like you're uh This is what I signed up for. I enjoy every minute of it. The only thing I don't enjoy is when companies sell me half-baked products, <laughs> barely work. If you want to see me lose my ish, uh, send me something that doesn't connect or doesn't really work wirelessly when it's supposed to. And I, <laughs> that's my trigger right there. <laughs> that is my trigger is wireless stuff that doesn't, is like half-baked, doesn't really work um, like the products that I expect so uh, but on that note um yeah we'll be back again for another more focused uh topic for next week's reef therapy session so big thanks to everyone who is you know supporting the content and the podcast and the channel is you know it's just really awesome to get out there into the world and uh, we hope to meet a bunch of you guys in atlanta very soon yeah i really i love the feedback and uh like i said just seeing a dude wear a t-shirt in a random YouTube video I pulled up just made my day. It really did. So uh, I really appreciate all the support and the fanfare. So it's awesome. Very cool. We're going to keep at it until the Atlanta show, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. See you next week. Bye, Mark. Bye, dude. Bye.